Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to the Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hi there, this is Josh Raymond once again with you here on The Inner Life, and I hope you're having a good Wednesday as uh, we're off and running here uh, midway through this week. Uh, how are you doing with your Lenten journey? You know, we're two weeks into Lent here. Do you feel like you're walking through these 40 days alone, or is your family walking with you? You know, when I was young, I grew up as a Baptist, and in the Baptist church, um, didn't really have a lot of exposure to Lent. Um, really didn't hear about it until I was an adult after I married a sweet, beautiful Catholic girl, uh, my wife. Uh, her name is Baylen. And several years into our marriage, I ended up converting, was received into the Catholic Church. But as a Baptist, not hearing much about that, those first few years of married life, I ended up then learning more about Lent, this, this liturgical season from Baylen. And the first thing that I heard was about fasting. I think that's probably a pretty common thing that most people hear about when, and they think about when they think about Lent. And even a couple of years prior to entering the church, as I was thinking, well, it's Lent again this year. Is there something I can do? I decided I would go ahead and fast from something. And I knew I could be a TV junkie. At the end of the day, it was really common for me to go ahead and just crash on the couch and flip through the channels. This was far beyond or before Netflix, Amazon Prime, any of those other streaming services out there. And so I, I would just sit there on the couch at the end of the day, flip through the channels and see whatever happened to be on. And I could spend two, three hours a night easily just doing that. And I said, well, I should, I should give that up for Lent. I went and I talked with Baylen about it. I said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. And she's, <laughs> I think she said I was crazy. I know she said no. Uh, I, you're on your own on that one. Uh, but I do think she actually called me crazy at that moment. And uh, so I said, all right, that's fine. I'm still going to go ahead and try it. So I ended up uh, giving up television, movies, you know, anything that you'd watch on a screen. Gave it up for that Lent. And it was good. When Baylen was off watching something, I'd go in a different room, I'd read a book, I'd work on a project. And then the next year, I decided, yeah, I think I'll do the same thing. And this time, Baylen said, well, I'll join you. I'll, I'll come along with I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then the year after that, she joined me again. And the year after that, and as we had children and they started growing older, they started coming along for the ride of giving up television and movies. And, and now it's more than just TV. You know, there's all kinds of different screens that we have access to. Um, full disclosure, this year actually is one of the exceptions that we haven't done that. And it's primarily because of all the on, uh, online at-home learning that our kids are doing here during COVID. But we gave them a little bit of a break this year saying, no, we understand you're going to have a little more screen time because of school. Also because... 
you really can't go out and do anything with friends and we're not, uh, you know, having the same ability to go and do all the different activities we might have done in past years. But uh, the, the fact of the matter, the reason I tell this story is I started on my own and I was walking that Lenten journey kind of uh, isolated there. It took time for my wife to join me. And today, when we're talking here on The Inner Life, we want to look at how you can experience Lent as a family, not just isolated, not just alone. It's not just a a lonely path that you're walking. And we're going to talk about those three different pillars of Lent, the fasting, the prayer, and the almsgiving. And just like I shared, that fasting aspect, it seems to be the most common thing that I'll hear people talk about. Maybe you hear other things, but a lot of times I don't hear people talk about the prayer and the almsgiving. And that might be because we don't want to brag. We don't want to draw attention to ourselves on those two things. You know, Jesus tells us, when you pray, go into your closet and, you know, make private prayers. Uh, He also said when they were watching people donating at the uh, temple in Jerusalem, he said, look at these people who are giving so much, and they have their reward. They've already received their reward because they're doing it so publicly. They want people to see that they're donating this amount and that they're, they're giving to help others. When you give, you should do it so you don't draw attention to yourself. And so I want to make clear as we talk here today about prayer, about almsgiving, along with fasting, that as we share stories, we don't want to necessarily draw attention to ourselves. That's not what we're doing. We're not trying to brag. We're not trying to receive accolades. What we're really trying to do is we want to help families who are looking for ways that they can bring their family together and make that prayer, that extra prayer time, or how they can give to those in need. Look for ways that others have had successes. And so, uh, you know, we do that in all kinds of other ways. If you have a son who isn't eating his vegetables, uh, moms will go to other moms and say, hey, how can I get him to actually eat his broccoli or his spinach or, uh, you know, whatever it happens to be for dinner? Uh, if I don't have a daughter who's going to bed on time, you know, we'll talk with other parents about that. So we want to hear from those of you who have had those success stories about how you've been able to get your kids excited about praying more, about fasting from different things, about being able to contribute in their ways to those in need. And today we're going to do that with the help of one of our regular spiritual directors here on The Inner Life, Father Joseph Ilo. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. He's the pastor at Star of the Sea Catholic Church there in the Bay Area. And among many of the different ministries he's in been involved with in the past. He also ends up giving retreats to St. Teresa of Calcutta's Missionaries of Charity all around the world. Father Joseph, welcome to The Inner Life. So nice to be able to talk with you here today. Thank you, Josh. And uh, I I was so happy to hear that your wife is uh, Belen, uh, meaning Bethlehem. That's right. Right in Spanish. That's a beautiful name. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the the pronunciation, I think she Americanized it a little bit uh, as compared with how it's truly spoken in Spanish. But but yes, uh, you know, her father actually uh, was born on Christmas Day. I always like to point that out. His his name was Narciso Is. He's <laughs> I don't know why I said was, but is Narciso Jesus. Uh, and he uh, he was born on Christmas Day. And so, yeah, they have a daughter named after Bethlehem. And uh, uh, she's just a wonderful, wonderful companion. Um, and a big reason that I am Catholic today, just because of our conversations and because of the way that we were able to come together as a married couple and, and look at faith, look at, uh, you know, what, what Christianity really is. And, uh, you know, the Catholic Church being that true 
church that Christ founded. But um, I don't want to go into so much of my relationship there. But, Father, as we get started here looking at these different aspects of Lent, uh, let's talk about—let's look at prayer first. With prayer, if we're a family— and we don't really spend a lot of time praying together. You know, maybe there's some mealtime prayers, or we might say a quick prayer before we go to bed. But if there isn't that built-in prayer time, what's a really good starting point? How do we, how do we get that conversation going with our family and say, okay, here's what we want to do, and not make it seem oppressive to kids who don't want to give up their free time, their rec time, uh, especially with, you know, school and other activities that they're involved in. How do we encourage families and our kids in those, uh, building that prayer time into our Lenten journey? Sure. And you might object, well, Father Joseph doesn't have a family. How would he know? But I know a lot of families. The thing about priests is we're members in some sense of, of many, many families, and so the families that I've known that have been most effective as families pray together. So as Father Peyton would say, the family that prays together stays together. How do they do that? Well, the rosary has been a standard, uh, just a, a, a foolproof, I would say, means of family prayer. And the families I know that make a regular habit of that even every day there's one family i knew that would pray every day at 9 p.m and it is hard to get the kids 9 p.m might be too late for some of the younger kids sometimes and some of the younger kids won't last more than one decade of the rosary for so maybe even a decade of the rosary but every day i think of the family spend some time in the prayer of the rosary and uh, another way of, is, is just reading the Bible together. So where do we start as a family? I think starting point is the Mass. Let's make sure, very sure, that all of us as a family, if possible, are going to Mass every Sunday. And then regular confession. When I was growing up, my mother would take us all to confession every other week, get all the kids in the station wagon. How did she get us in there? Two ways. She said, if you go to confession, you can light a candle after confession. And we were all pyromaniacs, so we looked forward to that. Light a candle at the shrine. And I'll take you out to ice cream afterwards. So that got us to confession. And I still remember those with a warm feeling of regular family prayer. So mass and confessions. Then, as I say, some kind of prayer time maybe a decade of the rosary, maybe the rosary, or maybe reading uh, the gospel for the day or reading through a book of the Bible, one chapter every day. But if we could con commit to that as families in Lent, especially, and then continue it on through the year, that's one way of uh, dialing in prayer into our family life. So one thing that I was talking with my wife about last night, you know, we were reflecting on this and saying, uh, what are some different aspects as our family does, you know, the different prayers, the different fasting together, some of those. What do we find works and doesn't work? And just like you said, starting with that one decade of the rosary, um, that's one where we ended up going through. And we did that, especially when our kids were young. Um, you know, it, it is it is quite a bit to bite off trying to make it through 
uh, rosary. And even if you're going fast, you're still committing yourself to probably somewhere in the ballpark of about 20 minutes to pray the rosary. Um, The other thing is that (laughs) I'll throw this out there, too. I... uh, all kinds of things can derail that. Uh, I've had uh, kids who have gotten hurt right before or even during a rosary. You know, they'll fall and they'll hurt, hurt themselves. And all of a sudden you just realize it's going to be so hard to get back on track with the prayers. And uh, and you do your best. But I, I think even just trying to make that effort, you know, you 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 hear other people talk about praying the rosary. It's okay that everything doesn't go perfect. Um, I, I, I presume in your growing up, you probably had experiences like that, where not every time that your family got together and prayed that it was this perfect, holy, uh, just just everybody's on their knees, everybody's completely focused on the prayers. I'm sure there were other distractions eating in, Father. Well, certainly to, um, to, pray, to attempt to pray is to pray. Even the willing Mother Teresa would often say to her sisters, it's the willing. Just say, I will, I want what God wants. And even if you don't accomplish it, and then when you fail, you get back up. You know, we do the Stations of the Cross, which I would say during Lent is another great family prayer. We have a lot of people coming to Stations of the Cross on Fridays in my parish and and the families because why? The kids... Now, because of COVID, we're not walking the state. Only the priests and the servers are walking right. the stations. But um, in other years, the kids love to walk. They're, they're in movement. They love to see the pictures, the stations on the wall. They see the candles, the vestments, the cross, the crucifix. So uh, just to try to get them in the car for a liturgical service like that, even if you don't succeed – that is is itself a prayer. And then you get up. I was going to say in the Stations of the Cross, we meditate on the three falls of Jesus. Families fall all the time. And if you fall down when you're praying, and you, well, try again tomorrow. Try again next week. Because just to commit yourself at least to try to have family prayer is is a prayer itself. Let's also talk about parents, because you you said, you know, that willing to pray is prayer itself. And my wife and I, as we were talking last night, she ended up making the comment that as we pray together as a family, it's hard to have that be the same sort of meaningful prayer that she's able to have on her own, just because we know we're trying to kind of corral everybody and get them focused on things, and it, it can be distracting. Um, and so that that leadership role as a mother or a father in trying to lead your kids in prayer, uh, I, I presume there's grace that's given there in those moments as you're trying to do your best, knowing that, okay, I just said five Hail Marys, half of this decade of the rosary, and I've got my eyebrow raised because the two boys over there are, you know, they're they're trying to not have anybody notice that they're hitting each other over in the corner as we're praying or, you know, they're the the daughter is trying to do a headstand in the middle of the living room rather than just focus on the rosary. Um but how how can we how can we walk away from those moments when we don't feel like we've had, you know, emotionally that nice 
connected prayer time when it's been disjointed like that because of things that are happening with your children? Well, prayer is not feeling fulfilled. That's a consolation that comes sometimes with prayer. But somebody once described prayer as panning for gold, and you have to stand in the stream up to your knees in water for eight hours, and once in a while you'll get a nugget. But you just have to be there. So prayer is essentially an act of the will. It's it's committing to being there with Christ. And then let the consolations come as God provides them, but you can't demand them. So if you feel uh, empty in prayer or you feel distracted, it doesn't mean you should stop praying. It means you should persevere. And And also I would say there are different kinds of, obviously different kinds of prayer. So parents trying to lead a rosary is 98% perspiration, <laughs> I would think. And the prayers, the rosaries I've been with kids, or just keeping them corralled at mass. If you have more than one or two or three kids, you're, you're not going to be able to really focus on the mass as you would if you were alone. So that's why solitary prayer is, it has to be a part of our prayer routine, as well as communal prayer. And both have their place in our life. So Prayer has so many facets to it. There, there are many dimensions and kinds of prayer. And family prayer, by its definition, is going to be uh, kind of a diaper-changing experience. That is, it's, <laughs> it's going to be an act of love, yeah. but you're not going to feel it all the time, maybe even not most of the time. But you're doing it. That's, that's the key. It's not what you feel when you pray. It's the fact that you are uh, – when you're with a friend – that you or or a family member spending time with that person even when it's awkward or uncomfortable is is the is the mark of true love it's not i'm i'm a friend with this person when they make me feel good i'm a friend all the time even during the difficult times our spiritual director today is Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco and we're looking at how we can incorporate Lent into our family life, uh, the prayer, the fasting, the almsgiving. Is it a struggle for you to get your family to participate together during Lent? What have you done with your family to encourage them here during Lent? And how have you been successful with incorporating more of that family prayer time, getting your kids to be excited about fasting from different things or about being able to donate to different charities? We'd love to hear your stories, especially if you've had those successes in your family that you'd like to share with other parents, especially parents of younger children as they're just getting started. Our phone number here on The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. And uh, we're going to take a short break, but you can give us a call right now, 888 888- 914-9149 or you can email us innerlife at relevantradio.com I'm Josh Raymond and we'll be back right after this Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit RelevantRadio.com Forester.
Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond here with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, pastor at Star of the Sea Catholic Church there in San Francisco. And uh, we've been having a really good conversation about prayer, especially as a family during Lent. We will also talk a little about the fasting and the almsgiving. But, Father, uh, we've got some phone calls I want to get to here shortly. I wanted to go back to something you talked about, you know, the prayer, when it becomes that awkward or uncomfortable interaction with somebody. um, I, I think that in my own life, I could see that very early on. and. I, I guess it's probably because prayer is such an intimate thing. You know, you're really kind of just pouring your heart out to God in that prayer moment. And when you pray with your spouse, you're really at a point where you're not holding anything back if you're being honest in your prayers at that moment. Um, how how can a couple start out if they really haven't been praying that way together, because they need to come together as a couple before they'd start leading their kids in prayer. Maybe what are a couple of good uh, starting points for that couple? That's a good point, Josh, that uh, families, couples have to learn how to pray. First of all, we have to learn how to pray individually. And maybe some of us don't know how to do that. So as Mother Teresa would say, it's not easy to pray if you do not know how. Prayer, we get better as we practice. Practice makes perfect. But the first step is me individually. I need to be able to be in silence before God and listen to him. Then the couple and then the family. But how does a couple learn how to pray? Couples will often come to me who are having problems in their marriage. and, And usually they come to the priest when it's kind of too late. But, you know, we filed for divorce. How, how can you can you fix our marriage, Father? But I ask them, and, and devout families, really, well, do you pray together? Well, no, we don't, Father. You don't, and, and often they don't even go to Mass together because of the kids. You know, one stays at home with the kids. But do you pray the rosary? Do you read the Bible together? Well, no. And I ask them to, and it's very hard for them to do that. Why? Because you're right that prayer exposes your vulnerability, it takes your relationship, it opens it to a whole new level. Well, how can we do that? How can couples do that? How can priests do that? Priests often don't pray together, and when we do, there's an awkwardness. Well, the easiest thing is to start with vocal prayer, and that's where the rosary comes in. I had a staff, a, parish, a large parish staff in another parish that didn't pray together, and we had weekly meetings, but I said, well, let's begin with some real prayer, not just a, you know, a 30 second prayer at the beginning, but let's spend some quality time praying. So we tried to do Bible readings together. So I would read a Bible passage and then, okay, who wants to reflect on this? And dead silence. Nobody knows. We're Catholics. (laughs) We don't read the Bible, right? right? So. So I finally gave up on that and said, okay, we're just going to pray the rosary together. And that really worked. 
people, you know, staff members are in a professional situation. They're not really close uh, interpersonally. So the rosary provides um, a kind of a framework so we don't right, have that to. that structure, sure. Right. You don't really, you don't have to spill your guts <laughs> at right away. Now you want to get to that place where you're, Expose yourself and your weaknesses to your spouse. But I think the rosary and, of course, the mass is another structured kind of prayer. Mm -hmm. So start with that. We priests, we have the breviary. And that's a, the priests in my rectory. There's five of us. We pray morning and evening prayer together. And to be, before our weekly clergy meeting, we pray the, the, the office together. And it's not as um, dangerous to pray a structured prayer like that together. There's a format that you follow. So I think start there as a couple and then maybe get into reading the Bible and, and reflecting on that, uh, per, how it affects my own life. And then you can bring your children into that. And a good place uh, reading the Bible is the Psalms because it, it's my understanding that the rosary actually started as uh, the beads were for the 150 psalms, and early monastics would actually pray through those before it started switching over to the Hail Mary being the basic prayer for all 10 beads in between the Our Father and the Glory Be. Um, so that might be another great way to pray through the Bible, at least initially, is to start there, because so many of those psalms deal with praise to God. And even if you know you read them, there's lots of them that deal with I'm kind of down and out right now, God. I, I've I've got difficult circumstances, um, but there's always something where it it turns back around and says, "But you are my help, or you are my portion." Um, so that that's that's. Is there another uh, area of the scriptures that you would recommend people to start praying through? Well, as you say, the the Psalms are the starting point. So that's why the breviary that priests pray together is essentially the Psalms. There are other readings included shorter readings, but the monks would pray the, the entire Psalter, 150 Psalms every week. Uh, diocesan priests pray more or less the 150 every four weeks. But I think uh, couples could also begin to pray the Liturgy of the Hours, the breviary, maybe just morning prayer, evening prayer. There, there are little devotionals like the Magnificat little magazine that comes mm -hmm. out once a month that has a, even a reduced form of the breviary. So there's a morning prayer with just one psalm and a very and just a scripture verse that couples could perhaps do. Again, it's a structured uh, set text that you don't have to come up with any cre creative uh, ideas on. And it, it just speaks to your, your intellect and your, your heart. So uh, the rosary, but yes, I think even... Uh, the, the breviary or some some form of that, like in the Magnificat, would be a very good starting point for couples. Especially if you haven't started praying together because, yeah, again, committing yourself to 20 to 30 minutes of praying a rosary together might seem rather daunting. And if there's an abbreviated way, doing something is better than doing nothing um, if you're going to start praying together as a couple and, and working that prayer into your family. Uh, one other question for you. What if I have a spouse that isn't engaged in trying to pray with me or pray with our family? Or uh, the other aspects of Lent, the fasting, the almsgiving— 
how, you know, you can only do so much to encourage a spouse and you don't want to drive a wedge further in your relationship if you're not on the same page. Uh, any helpful advice there if you've if there's a wife who wants to try and get engaged with her husband on prayer and bring him along or a husband who's trying to reach out to his wife and say, hey, you know, let's let's try this together. Any Any good tips? Well, that's the... Uh, I hear this all the time. I think we just lost Father Ilo, and so we're going to try and get him back here in just a moment. Right now, let's go ahead and go to your phone calls. And Natalia, we've got you listening out in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and so glad you called in here. Uh, Again, if you'd like to join the program, you can call 888-914-9149. And looking at how we can incorporate... Lent with our families, bring our kids, bring our spouses in, and be able to participate in that prayer, the, the, the fasting, the almsgiving. But Natalia, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you so much for your program. It's, you know, it's, it's great to be able to have these words of wisdom um, from the priest and from you guys, so thank you. Uh, I was just going to say, I'm a mom of three small children. They are four, two, and one. And, um, you know, as parents, it's difficult sometimes to get them, um, just get them to pay attention or mass or do the rosary. It can be difficult sometimes, but I would just encourage parents to continue to do so, to not get frustrated and to not give up. Um, sometimes we don't, we think that they're not listening or we don't see the fruits right away, but there's something there, you know, my four-year-old, um, I used to think like, he's not paying attention, but we stuck with it. And, you know, we go to mass, you know, we did take a break during COVID, but, you know, we're, we're going and, and he kneels, he does, you know, when we have to stand, he stands, he kneels, um, he knows the, our father, the Hail Mary, the glory be. Um, and the other day he was, uh, like giving his brother and sister the blessing, just like as the priest does to him when we go up to receive communion. So I would just say, I would just encourage parents to continue to, to, to do so and continue to, to um, just pray with them. You know, my husband and I, we, we pray with them at nighttime. We pray, we talk to them about the scenes and um, to go to sleep we sing the Divine Mercy Chaplet, um, and that's another thing. If your if your children um, are not like if you have newborns and they have a hard time sleeping, try singing Divine Mercy Chaplet. Try praying your Rosary. It it works for both the parent and the child. It soothes both, and it's just comforting to have our Blessed Mother there with us uh, to help us along as as moms, whether it's the first child, the second, the third, or even the fourth. So that's, I just wanted to share that. And again, this is all uh, glory to God that we're able, that I'm able to share this. I was not always um, so devout in my, in my faith. Um, But just like a father was saying, with prayer, um, anything is possible. Our Lord can do anything. And yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Sorry, I'm rambling. No, no, thanks for sharing, Natalia. And Father, uh, you're back. You've been able to listen to most of Natalia's comments as, as well, right? 
Yeah, I've been listening the whole time. There's just a little blip on the internet where I went out, I guess. But um, I, I did want to thank you, N N Natalie, for all that you said. Perseverance is we're on a marathon, not a sprint, and especially with family life, with our prayer life. So, but one of the things you said was that uh, singing, and never underestimate the value of of chant or singing. We have a classical academy in my parish, and we begin teaching Latin in kindergarten, if you can believe it, how? By simple songs, simple Latin songs, prayers, actually, so the children never forget. I mean, as a 59-year-old man, I, I, will, I still remember my mother's singing to us in some of those songs. So that will keep a child engaged. <clears throat> and also, I think, I mean, just back to the question you asked before I cut out, Josh, which is what of the what your spouse isn't on the same page with you in terms of prayer? Well, again, uh, perseverance and patience will win the day. But uh, singing, uh, people, Americans are like, well, I can't sing. Almost everybody can sing in some way, maybe not perfectly, but um, maybe even just sing a song together. That's that's the mark of you know the lover sings. Both people who love each other as spouses, but also people who love God, they sing. So thank you for mentioning that, Natalie. Yeah, and that, that really is a great way to be able to bring the younger kids in. We've done that in our own family where if we're going through and we're praying a rosary or even when we've prayed just the one decade, you know, especially with younger kids— that last Hail Mary, we'll end up singing that together, or sometimes we'll sing the Our Father together. And even just that, you can tell, oh, the kids are a little more engaged in that one moment as we're praying through that decade. Um, they actually kind of look forward to it. And if you don't, if you don't sing the next day or, you know, one day during the week, they'll kind of question, wait, wait, I, I thought we were singing the, the last Hail Mary, or I thought we were singing the Our Father there. Um, and, you know, another thing you mentioned, too, and this goes back to that perseverance, as Natalia was uh, talking about, you mentioned that when those parents are struggling to try and incorporate prayer into their lives, into the lives with their kids, um, doing these different aspects of Lent, that it can be that they're not even going to church together, and that they're not attending Mass together. One of them goes by themselves, and then the other one goes by themselves, and they leave the kids at home. And while Mass, I've told every one of our kids this, it's really meant for an older audience. There's so much that's happening there that it is hard to understand as a young child. But if the children go, they get used to that week after week after week after week going to Sunday Mass. And they know. And, you know, the other thing that I have, I have told so many parents this, Father, is because I think every new parent starts out this way— your your child, you're you're so tuned in on everything they're doing and everything they're saying and every movement they make and every noise that they make, especially when they're in that pew at mass. But they're really not as loud as you think they are. You you're worried that you're bothering the entire. Now sometimes kids can get really loud, and maybe you do need to step out into the narthex or if there's a cry room or wherever. But most of the time your child is probably not as loud as you think they are. Um, and, and so in trying to give encouragement to parents going to Mass or praying together, uh, what's, is there anything other than just just do it and you got to suffer through those first 
few times of going to Mass as a family, yeah, your kids will have, they'll have to get used to it. But is there, is there any other advice you might give on that? Well, I would say uh, that it's possible. So to believe that it's possible, I think we give up too easily on, on a lot of things. I'm giving actually a, a Lenten mission to another parish. It's, and um, it's a parish where they do the Latin Mass. And uh, so I do the Mass uh, at 6 p.m. in this parish. And there's a lot of families there. It's, a, it's in Latin and it's 45 minutes. And the priest most of the time is back as, you know, to the people, right. or the, you know, in one sense, all of us are facing the altar together. I don't hear very much from those kids. I'm amazed. How do these parents do it? These these kids are of the same DNA structure that all, all the rest of the kids. So how do they do it? Well, one of the ways is the parents intentionally teach their kids about the Mass. There's a comic book, for example, that describes the Latin Mass I know that we use and then there's other books, comic books, ways, children's books that describe the uh, English, the ordinary form mass. So if you do that, as parents, you have a much better uh, chance of your children staying engaged. Another very practical thing is to bring your kids up front. You're afraid your kids are going to make noise, so you stay in the back. Well, then they can't see anything. They're bored out of their skulls. Bring them up closer. And a, And a final thing is, Choose a parish, if you can, that has a lot of the liturgical richness. So if the kids see incense, smoke, hear bells, see vestments that are colorful and beautiful, uh, they see a lot of movement on the altar, um, you know, altar servers. If there's a choir that, again, the, the dimension of singing and music, if you can do the fullness of the liturgical tradition, it will keep the kids more engaged and less likely to um, fiddle around. Right. Well, and that's actually one of the things I said when I came into the church. I said, boy, the Catholic Church, more than almost any other uh, you know, Protestant break-off church that I've ever seen in my life, uh, it really engages all the senses. When you go to Mass, when you're at a high Mass with the incense, with the bells, with you know the choir singing, uh, you receive our Lord in the Eucharist. Uh, you, you have the taste, the smell, the, the sight. You know, you're, you're shaking hands, well, not right now during the greeting of peace, but you know, about a year ago we were. And you have all of your, your senses engaged there. Um, it is beautiful. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Ilo, a priest in the Archdiocese of San Francisco, we're talking about how we can bring our families into our Lenten experience, into our Lenten journey. Where have you had that success? The phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Angela, Danielle, we're going to get to you next after uh, this short pause here. And I know there's more of you. We're going to try and get to as many phone calls as we can here as we talk about Lent and experiencing it as a family here on The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you missed part of the program, you can listen to this show and any of your favorites on the Relevant Radio app or online at RelevantRadio.com. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond here along with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Ilo, pastor of a star of the Sea Catholic Church in San Francisco there in the Bay Area of California. 
and uh, talking about how we can make Lent uh, part of, uh, make our families experience Lent together, and taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. One thing uh, that I should point out, Father Joseph, as we've been discussing the different aspects, especially of prayer, uh, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned was praying that rosary, and every evening here at 7 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio, Father Rocky leads the Family Rosary Across America, and so that's a great way for families to participate. Uh, there are so many kids who call in on that, uh, that that broadcast of the rosary, and you had made that quote by Father Patrick Payton, uh, the family that prays together stays together, and actually, rosary. Dot, I, I think it's familyrosary.org. They actually underwrite that broadcast every single day of the Family Rosary Across America. So that's that's even an easier way where you don't have to be the one leading the rosary. Father Rocky can lead it, and if you're, you, your, your husband, your wife, you want to be able to bring the kids in, it might be a great starting point for you to be able to pray. Again, it gives you that structure and allows you to do that together as a family. Father Joseph, let's go to Angela. She's listening to Relevant Radio in Wayne, New Jersey. Hi, Angela. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, and greetings to you both, and thank you for Relevant Radio. It has really helped me through this past year. And if you could please remember my family in your prayers, we're having some health issues. Um, I had a few years back now, my grandchildren are, are teenagers, uh, but when they were smaller, I, I babysat them because my daughter worked. So I had dinner with them every night, and, and of course we would read our Bible stories and say our prayers and whatnot, but during Lent, I came up with an activity that I thought was really great for young children, and I really would like to share it. I went to the local craft store and bought a, a wreath, a vine wreath, and that would be about the size of Jesus's crown. And I took toothpicks, wooden toothpicks, and put them all around the wreath. And we laid it on a platter, and every night before dinner, each child, I had three, each child had to tell something that they did for somebody else that was positive. And if they did, and of course they did, they would take a toothpick out of Jesus's crown and put it, we put it in a little dish next to the crown. And then at the end of Lent, we counted up all of the, the toothpicks, and I gave it a monetary value. Each toothpick, let's say, was worth 25 cents. And then we counted them and uh, calculated the amount of money and gave it to a charity. The one year, it happened to be that a family in the neighborhood was asking for some monetary help because they had a very bad sickness in the family. So we took that money and went to the store and, and bought a gift card and gave it to them. And it just made them so aware of the way their behavior is towards other children, and I see that it has followed them now that they're teenagers. And uh, I just wanted to share that. I think it, I thought it was a, a good activity for young children during Lent. That's a great idea, Angela. And first, I'll tell you that I will remember you and your family in my evening mass tonight at the mission I'm giving here at the parish. So, uh, but the uh, the wreath, you know, basically the crown of thorns. It sounds sounds like that. That's what it looked like, right? And it, it it underscores the connection between prayer and almsgiving. Almsgiving meaning anything you do for another person, not just giving money. Although you translated their charitable works into money to support somebody. Uh, the point is that prayer, fasting, and almsgiving all work together. It's a three-legged stool, all 
all three legs need to be in place to to be really um, effective in our, our Lenten penance. So we, we pray together, but if we don't do something after, you know, we have that encounter with God for other people, some kind of, if it doesn't express itself in charity, then uh, the prayer wasn't very deep or effective. So right, right. prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Angela, thanks so much for calling in. Uh, let's go ahead and speak with Danielle. She's listening in Presque Isle, Maine. Hi, Danielle, and welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi, Josh. Welcome to you to Inner Life. You've been doing a good job, and you have a soothing voice like Chuck, and I can't believe you have nine children, and you're that calm. Uh, <laughs> well, some days I'm calmer than others, but yeah, uh, you 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 had uh, uh, some thoughts on the family rosary across America as well. Correct. Yes, um, I have been doing it. Um, it started March 15th. Father Rocky started the family rosary across. He st- took over for whoever was doing in Los Angeles or whatnot, and. And he is so great. And, I mean, that half an hour goes by, and it's like it didn't even happen. (laughs) You know, the prayers, the children, a four-year-old actually called in. And, like, if it's a child and it's her birthday, Father Rocky sings happy birthday. And, like, I think we heard from somebody from, like, I don't know, someplace in Africa or something last night. Like I said, it goes by so quickly. And, like, if you go on Facebook, Father Rocky's Facebook page, it, it'll do it live and it has like, you can put your comments and other people are praying with you. And so there's so much of, so much prayer around that half an hour rosary. It's unbelievable. That's wonderful. Well, uh, Father Rocky's our daddy. He's our papa. So let daddy help you pray the rosary. That's right. And again, the the Family Rosary Across America airs each evening at 7 p.m. Central. So if you'd like to tune in for that, you can access it uh, through RelevantRadio.com or through the Relevant Radio app or your local radio station uh, on uh, wherever you're listening there. Uh, Father, we're down to just a couple minutes left here, and it doesn't look like we're going to be able to take any more phone calls today. Uh, but had so many different people calling in, also with questions. Uh, I think this might be a conversation where we can... Uh, maybe pick up another time uh, because there's there's so much out there of people wanting to talk about how to incorporate prayer and obviously this is something that shouldn't just be done during Lent. We're talking about you know how can we make Lent uh, more of a family uh, gathering and and activity here as we're talking about the prayer, the fasting, the almsgiving. Um, but any final thoughts as far as how we can really bring our families together here during these next few weeks as we look ahead towards Holy Week and Easter? We didn't get too much into fasting right. or almsgiving. But, so fasting, there are basic rules from the Code of Canon Law. The, the bare minimum, as we all know, is, I hope we all know, is abstinence from meat every Friday of Lent from the age of 18 on and also Ash Wednesday, and then fasting on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday from age 14 to 59. So keep those. Uh, that means fasting is one meal a day, but uh, and then two snacks on either end to keep your strength up. But um, fasting also from, <laughs> fast from your screens. I, this is the big uh, addiction of our time, is these little endorphin hits we continually get through texts and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and, and, you know, not bad in themselves, but we just don't know how to regulate it. So if you and your kids and your spouse could all make a covenant with God to 
uh, abstain to fast from the screen to in some way, you know, work that out. What, that's what's practical and, and keep to that, encourage each other. You mentioned, um, with your wife, Belen or Belen, I would say, <laughs> right. you say in Spanish, um, you're not, you're not isolated because you're married to her and with all your kids. So just say no to isolation and, and the screens often isolate us from the people in our own home. So put it down and engage the people and help each other in community in family community and friends and to uh, keep those resolutions. We need to support each other. Father Joseph Ilo, our spiritual director here on The Inner Life today. And Father, as we're down to just uh, the last few seconds here, can I ask you to give a blessing for all of our listeners? May the blessing of Almighty God be with us, strengthen us, give us perseverance in these 40 days so that we may rejoice forever with Him in heaven and in the eternal Easter in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father Joseph, for your time today here. And uh, if you missed any part of our conversation earlier this hour, you can always go back and listen to the podcast at RelevantRadio.com or through the Relevant Radio app. We've got the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass coming up next. Father Edward Looney is our celebrant, and so I hope you'll stay with us for that. And, of course, right after that, we've got class with Cale Clark and The Faith Explained, and we'll see you tomorrow. Remember... Pray that rosary like Father Joseph was saying. It's going to make a difference in your own life. It's going to make a difference in the lives of your spouse and your kids. So pray that rosary each day. God bless you and have a great day.